Welcome to the Drive Time News Blast. 30 minutes, 45 for patrons of news of the day from a perspective of truth, liberty and justice. This is Monica Perez. And I'm Brad Binkley. Our top story, you know you're doing something right when they're hitting you hard. And I feel that way about the Maricopa audit. It is getting the full court press from the propagandists. And the tell is that they suggest that all good people avert their eyes to not look at any any kind of evidence or proof or look at the facts surrounding the audit and the questions about the election. Rather, people should just lash out at the folks who want the audit. Am I getting that right? That's exactly right. They do not want people looking at the evidence. They are actively telling them. And when I say they, I mean the indivisible activists that are sending out the scripts and are sending out the instructions on how to handle it. And the people on MSNBC, Rachel Maddow, Brian Stelter, Liz Cheney, Do not look at the evidence because it's bad, dangerous disinformation. Only attack the motives of the people who are making the claims. And that is what's happening. In fact, yesterday, I'll tell you a couple things about this story that uh, happened yesterday since we last spoke. We talked yesterday about the indivisible scripts, what they were telling their activists so that the people who are conducting the audience can know what to expect from the pushback. And we read the verbatim scripts that they sent the activists because I subscribe to their groups and I go to their trainings to see what they're going to be doing. And after reading those scripts, I was alerted to a tweet last night from Rockhanger. Thank you, Rockhanger. And it was a verbatim repetition of what we read from the Indivisible script yesterday being shared around on Twitter from an activist promoting it as though it was their own thoughts, their own words, and they had the hashtag Truth Brigade on it. And I typed in that hashtag and there was a flood of verbatim scripts copied and pasted. I know it was copied and pasted because in the document they sent out, the instructions, it had quotation marks in it. So you knew this is what you say. The person had deleted one of the quotation marks and accidentally left the second one in. So they copied and pasted it. These are puppets that are promoting the idea that you should not even look at evidence. You should only blindly follow your leaders and then attack the motives of the other. They're destroying democracy And they're saying they're doing it in the name of democracy. Well, they're certainly not thinking. They're just emoting. They're just following orders. But did did the was there any news coming out of Maricopa, the Board of Supervisors or whatever? What's the latest coming out of Arizona? There's a lot going on in Arizona right now. A letter was sent from the Maricopa Board of Supervisors to those who are conducting the audit. And it was actually a response to a list of questions that the people conducting the audit had about issues. And I haven't gone through the full document yet. It's pretty long, but I'm going to tell you what I've taken away so far. One, they didn't answer any of the questions. They did exactly as the indivisible guide, the truth sandwich method it's, it's crazy. It's called true sandwich when all it does is, is shield you from any truth at all. But they didn't engage with any of the actual questions. They simply attacked the motives of those conducting the audit. Like they said, hey, I'll tell you a couple of the things that they said in the letter. The, uh, they they called the audit a sham and a con, and they demanded that the state Senate in the audit 
And they said, it's time to make a choice to defend the Constitution and the Republic. We stand united together to defend the Constitution and our opposition to the big lie. We ask everyone to join us in standing for truth. So this is a response to questions about issues. Hey, I have a question for you. You're a liar. You're part of the big <laughs> lie. I mean, that, that is crazy. And these are elected officials that are responding in this way. And then it goes on to say that our state has become a laughingstock. Worse, this audit is encouraging our citizens to distrust elections, which weakens our democratic republic. Oh, what? But but telling people to never engage in the content of, a, of an argument is not weakening the republic. Telling people to be blind slaves is not it's, it's baffling to read this thing. And then the the biggest the biggest thing that came out of this for me was there was a meeting scheduled for next Tuesday because the people who are conducting the audit, they were going to show and discuss the serious issues that Cyber Ninja has claimed to have found around around the vote count. And these elected officials who sent this letter are refusing to go to this meeting. They are refusing to even look at the evidence that they are that has been discovered and being presented to them. They won't even do it. It's it's weird because now I've seen stuff from all on all the different topics. So you're talking election integrity or the voting laws. We saw it. I, I This reminds me of something that I read to you over the weekend or last week about the article, the study from MIT about how coronavirus skeptics, this is the headline, use orthodox data practices to promote unorthodox science online. And it talks about a deep sociopolitical rift regarding the place of science in public life that is reflected in how people, vaccine skeptics online, are using charts, graphs, visualizations of real scientific data to draw different conclusions from what the propaganda from what these guys want you to draw the conclusion. And this is a problem. Like they are actually trying to address how the layman can use visualizations and data. It literally says uses orthodox data practices, so sound scientific principles to promote unorthodox science, which is their conclusion. So their their big problem, especially with the vaccine thing, but also with the election integrity stuff, their big problem is the truth. The truth is a problem for them. And and that's what I said, like facts are facts, truth, but truth is truth. It's like they don't want facts. And we've been seeing this emerge over the last several years. And there's no doubt in my mind that someone somewhere fought this up and ha- and it's been trickling down ever since. And they, they called the strategy pre-bunking and, f- and truth sandwich. I mean, this whole pre- th- this idea of pre-bunking where we're going to pre-bunk something that we don't even know what it's going to be yet, like you pointed out yesterday. Well, yeah, it's only, it's only they, pre-bunking, the, how can you know what, quote, lies will threaten you yeah. if you don't know the truth? The truth is you, people are going to make arguments against your evidence, so this is how it's going to work. So you put out evidence and you draw conclusions. People are going to put up really good arguments to your evidence. They're going to say it's not done properly or it's not a robust enough sample or all right. So they're going to attack the evidence and they're also going to attack the conclusions you draw. Well, that's not really necessarily a causal relationship, yada, yada. So the people who are affecting this 
pre-bunking, they know the weaknesses in their arguments because not to mention that they're, they're lying and their conclusions are based on fallacies. So they know where their evidence is weak and they know where their arguments are fallacious and they're just trying to get ahead of your arguments like anyone would in a good debate. Yeah, they know the ones that are propagating it the mass of activists and people who are being engaged round the clock through their television screens with this information, I don't think they know that because they're no, not even they, ever looking at it because they they're telling them not to. Right. And what and it all rests 100 percent. There is no nothing else at the basis of what you're talking about. But this idea that that we are in a battle between good and evil. Totally. And. Pre-bunking, I'll say it again, is just another way to describe poisoning the well, which is a well-known propaganda tactic. They just put a new name on it and called it a strategy that's scientifically yeah. proven to inoculate people from disinformation. Because bunk, bunk is bunk. Pre-bunk, exactly. debunk, but bunk is bunk. You got to get rid of that. <laughs> that's right. But, but the idea of this struggle between good and evil, it's, it's even disconnected. The way the stock market is disconnected from the economy now, it's disconnected from right or wrong, from truth and falsehood. This idea of evil, because you look at, I now call it the war party, the Democrats. So you, so it used to be that they would stand on their liberal ground. Like they would go for the welfare and the Republicans would go for the warfare. And when Bush was doing the Iraq war, we would see in our neighborhood, like leftover hippies and stuff out there protesting on the street corners. And even my parents who are the furthest thing from hippies would give them the thumbs up because they were against the wars. And so you could see that the other person's ideology had some value. They were about peace, about bodily integrity. They were like, I'm going to smoke my pot, but don't give me your vaccines. And if I want to have an abortion, it's my business because it's my body, that kind of thing. So there was this internal ideological consistency that you applied across the board, even if it meant it chafed you once in a while, whatever. Now it's literally just it, it is so much more like sports than it's ever been. So it's like Patriots fans will argue that the Patriots never cheated and non-Patriots fans are much more likely to say, I don't know. You know what I'm saying? Like you just yeah, my 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 team, right or wrong. Yeah. And it's it's that Vax Borging thing. Once you're on a team. It's your team, right or wrong, which is very dangerous. But that's why they yep. don't care about the facts. They don't want to know the facts. Those yeah. people cutting and pasting, they, they agree totally. If you knew the reality, sticking with the sports analogy, if you knew the reality and you treated it like that for your team then you would never cheer. Some people would never, I would never cheer for Georgia Tech. I would never choose Georgia Tech. I have to create a false reality to have any hope whatsoever. But that would you, ever, I would, would go be an Alabama fan. Would you cheat for tech? I wouldn't cheat for tech, but you know, I also wouldn't do the Michael Moore and when they stepped out of bounds, <laughs> tell, the, tell the referee, hey, right. my guy stepped out of bounds. I'll be like, I'm glad the referee missed that one. That does seem to be the rule, though, is to not tell on yourself. I feel yeah. like that has changed. But what my brother said when he was growing up in Brooklyn, they were playing it on the street. He said, you would tell. You would tell on yourself. There weren't any refs. Oh, in street ball, yeah. In street ball, you do, you are. You would tell on yourself. Yeah. If yeah, you foul so, somebody, okay. you'll say, I got you. I fouled you. So you I care about out. truth. Yeah. But the pros and the people that the kids look up to are like this. Like, the truth does not matter. Yeah. And that's how it feels. It's totally, it's just an emotional Only thing. the official authority, which is the referee. 
And it's similar, like the the similarities continue on to other topics, including the the insurrection stuff. So you hear the Republicans saying, we don't want a commission. We don't think what happened on January 6th was that big a deal. And yet at the same time, we're getting these crazy videos, which just came out of nowhere of cops getting hurt and squished. And like it, it, did I read you? Maybe I read it off the air to you or did I No, I teased to this yesterday in the, in the patron 15 about this Capitol police stuff. So and actually a commissioner investigation would be fine if it were valid. I mean, if you could go and say, oh, they were agents provocateur and they were armed with nothing and they were half of them used to be indivisible activists. And obviously, you know, and then there were some some uh, FBI plants in there as per our inside man, whatever, in one of those CFR videos. So. So there's a lot of talk about how the Republicans are kind of defending the insurrectionists. But there was there was something I wanted to call attention to about the cop thing. And it's kind of a lot of stuff. I'll I'll just give you like two quick highlights. So there's this there's a headline Capitol Police faced equipment shortage during January 6th attack. Rioters in many cases had more and better protective equipment than the officers they were fighting. That's complete bullshit. And it's possible it's possible that the cops, they're saying like we went to that to get our equipment and we had to answer questions about whether it was needed or not. There were shortages. The stuff was outdated. The Capitol Police is like no other police force in the country. There is something really deep statey about that. This is Obviously, a psyop. I noticed that I, this prompted me to finally look up how much the government spent last year. All of the governments in the United States spent a total of $10 trillion last year. There is absolutely no way that there, that they, that $10 trillion, that's more than half of the production of this country. And their only legitimate function is defense. There's absolutely no way that cops are under equipped. But, uh, they, they said this crazy thing. A Capitol police officer fought off rioters for hours in a medieval style battle at the Capitol on January 6th, returned home, his body burning, yada, yada, yada. So, uh, they're on the one hand, they're talking about how the cops need more equipment. But on the other hand, I was uh, happened to look up uh, some some budding politician. I think is worth watching is this guy in Ithaca. He's young, but he's a he's a mayor there, and I I happened to notice that he was putting out a. They he got he's really really young. But I don't know if there are other little towns doing this, but they replaced basically their police force with something. I think they had to change the name of it, but they had first called this new entity Community Solutions and Public Safety Department. And then they just changed it to the Department of Public Safety. And it's really Community Solutions sounds a little communist. Yeah, it's it's a little weird. But what I really think it's all about is, I mean, I just this is what really brought it home to me. I know we've heard a lot about 21st century policing. Obama did a task force. We've talked about Portland defunding the police, all of that. This makes it clear to me what they're trying to do is just make sure they want all the arms, 
all the force. When they talk about a monopoly on the use of violence, that is basically the state. That was that great documentary that PQ and that gang made. But what I've I've begun to begun to realize for different several different reasons, there there is a little bit of competition in the way that we have states and localities and and that kind of thing. So when Denny Hastert wants to be a pedophile, if he controls the cops, no one's ever going to catch him. But I think in that case or the Franklin cover of one of those pedophile cases or maybe many of them, the local cops are a real problem for the super, super elite who want to get away with murder and rape. There's there's like the beat cop who's like, hey, wait, I just saw something. You're not paying off every one of those guys. But if you can disarm literally and neutralize every subsidiary entity that could have some force, some legitimacy that the people could control. Yeah, anarchy would be better. Anarcho-capitalism, my favorite. But this kind of thing is really just upsourcing. It's just pushing. It's just going to push all the force, all the call to force. If you need force to be used for whatever reason, legitimate or illegitimate, anybody who wants to call in the cops and they need guns, they're going to be calling in the feds. And you're not going to have any control over that. There was some cops that got pressured. This is during the Jeffrey Epstein investigation. This is back in like 2005, before it became publicly widely known. The local police officers and investigators, a lot of them ended up quitting their job or I think some of them might have even died, if I recall correctly, but very similar. There was a lot of intimidation and threats going on towards the local forces that were doing the investigation that totally supports what you're saying. The the stuff that you said about the Capitol, I, I find it interesting these other videos continue to come out because... You, yeah, have you seen them? They're so have, weird. Bloody I have, cops they are very and stuff. Weird. What... What's going on, at least the way it's impacting the public is, and I think this is true for a lot of stories and will continue to be true, is if you just put out so much content about an event and you have two pieces of content that show an opposing story, tell an opposing story that both sides can grab onto, both sides now have physical video evidence supporting their point of view, which they will always go to. And they'll never go to the other one. So it's kind of like concretes this, this or crystallizes this image of their reality that, that they don't even they'll never. They'll, there's probably people on the left, far left, far right that have never seen any of the conflicting evidence, like the people just walking politely through the ropes. And even with the cop videos of the cops bloodied and stuff, you're just seeing bloodied cops. Yeah. You're really not seeing aggression. Like, you're not seeing the aggressor. I'm not saying they couldn't set it up, like have the Viking guy hit you with a club. I mean, that's possible. But I think it's just it's fishy. The Viking guy is trending right now. Oh, really? Because his lawyer, he came out and made a statement. This is what his attorney said about his client. He said his client has Asperger's syndrome and indicated that his mental state And the impact of Trump's propaganda efforts would play a role in his case. And this is what he said. A lot of these defendants, and I'm going to use this term, I'm going to use this term, perhaps disrespectfully, but they're all effing short bus people. 
What? These are pe- yeah, he used the way he Aww. used uh, the F word and then he says these are no, people No, I'm worried about the short bus. These are people with brain damage. They're effing retarded. They're Aww. GD, they're on the GD spectrum. But there are brothers and sisters, our neighbors, our coworkers. All they're right. part this of our guy's, country. You know how many yeah. people he just offended with that? Everyone I know has a kid yeah. with autism right. or down syndrome. And then he, and then he says these aren't bad people. They don't have a prior criminal history. F, they were subjected to four plus years of GD propaganda, the likes of which the world has not seen since effing Hitler. I think this folds in with what Stelter on CNN was putting out there, and I've seen this propagated a lot since then, this idea of foxitis being a defense that some of the people who are being charged in the Capital Six event are going to use. I think that the, I think that legitimately maybe it's in a plea deal or something, but the idea of you have brain damage, you're mentally ill because of what Trump and Fox News spread for four years. Therefore, we're going to make a deal with you. We're not going to put you in jail. Maybe we'll put you in a mental home for a while. And therefore, we will deem certain acts of speech to be, if bad enough, a defense in a, for a crime you commit. It's crazy what they're trying to push here. I'm disgusted at how coarse that his approach is. I mean, he's obviously it, doing that for histrionic purposes. I, I and had that's to, where I was we shocked are. when I saw that. I had yeah. to go verify because I didn't believe it at first, but he did say it. Yeah, and I mean, he said it, and and nobody they print that, they publish it, they promote it. Nobody turns their nose up at that. I remember I called it February 2016 when Vicente Fox ushered in the era of public vulgarity. But it's it's there for a reason. It's there. It's there. It plays right into the same thing that the indivisible don't look at the evidence, avert your eyes. It might it'll burn your eyes like looking at the sun, like don't do it. Don't look at it or, or Medusa. You know, it's like the it'll, it'll turn you to stone if you actually look at the evidence of election fraud. But yeah. they're doing it both sides. It's obviously meant to appeal to the emotional side. And I, I think they're going to blackmail him with a plea deal like you've talked about a lot and say, we're going to give you an out. You got to say that Trump and Fox gave you brain damage. And therefore, well, I assume that they're there, that they're plants, that they are. They're going to play whatever role they're that's perhaps. For yeah, them. they could very well just be plants. Yeah. I mean, come on. <laughs> I mean, what wasn't the shaman like doesn't he have his own troop of, of paparazzi prior to January 6th? Oh, I don't know. I know he did. He tried to do some acting before. No, he he has been. He had gotten publicity before that. Oh, he was going to every one of those events dressed like that. He was going to a lot of different Trump rallies. Yeah, I think there was even more to his story. But it just it's very clear to me that guy is an actor. And maybe it's just that he it's like when you read the book Conjuring Hitler or if you look at the life of Brian, which I'm really not allowed to watch because it's so blasphemous, but they show it's depicted as if during that time there were a lot of false prophets, false messiahs or whatever, like during Jesus's time. And there were all these people on soapbox and I conjuring Hitler has a similar thing there that just when you have cultural despair or occupied territory or whatever, you have a lot of people standing on the soapbox telling you what needs to be done or how to look at it evangelists or whatever they are and and a smart government or a smart enemy government will will cultivate that as we as our guys say they will enhance the dysfunctional subculture by picking the guy who can do that job so i mean the viking might just be that guy 
they're like, oh, let's use the Viking. Yeah. I don't know. Anyway. I think Stacey Abrams is also at? one of those soapbox people promoting that. Why are you laughing? Because that made me imagine Stacey Abrams on a soapbox preaching solutions to people. I just saw that she's going, splintering she's going on a nationwide tour. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> she's going on a nationwide tour about activism. She's going to be speaking about activism. Oh, that's exactly what she's made for. Yeah. That's what she is. She's, she's been a, training as an activist since she could walk. But like to be an activist trainer. Mm-hmm. Because she's just that's she's that that's just perfect. That just seems like the perfect role for her. Okay, before we get to the last big story of the free 30, which is. It's all you, Binkley. Millions of people watched a deep fake on TV over the weekend. How many of them even knew it? I want to hear that story. And. In the patron 15 after that, could UFOs be fake and real at the same time? And are even fictional characters reading verbatim from that indivisible script you told us about, Binkley? We'll hear about that in the Patron 15. And of course, a big thanks to the sponsor of today's show, government.scam.com. You know our friend Etienne de la Boetie Squared. We had a great conversation with him, which you can actually find on his website. It, that would be government-scam.com slash Monica. And uh, you can get discounts 10% off going through there from anything you buy as a fan of this show. But they have they don't just sell that book, which I, we, we talked about. That's called The Liberator. And that's the, for visual learners. It really wakes people up. We've seen that. It's a very popular book. People love it. You can uh, listen to our conversation about it. He also has an interview with James Corbett, which was just step by step through that book. Really, really good stuff. But he also sells some other things, a couple of other books with Larkin Rose, who I don't know if people know who Larkin Rose is, but he wrote that great novel, Iron Web, which I really enjoyed. I'd love to talk to him about that someday. Uh, But there are two other books. Okay, so this is kind of a funny story. So I was refreshing my memory. I thought I had these books already laying around somebody. I certainly certainly have a couple of copies now one of them is this teeny little book it's teeny it's only a couple of bucks it's called what anarchy isn't so it's it's got words and it's got pictures very clearly illustrated very nice little pictures it's a tiny book so i'm looking at it the other day get thinking okay i want to tell people about this and i'm not going to name names but a teenager walked past me and said oh i have that book (laughs) i said I said, you have this book? He said, yeah, it's great. I have it in my backpack. I said, you have this book in your backpack? And he said, yeah. And I was just like thunderstruck about that. He said, yeah, it's great. And I'm thinking, why would he have this book in his back? It's so small. Clearly, he's read it. So then later, I was really put off. Later, I said, I said, why do you have that book in your backpack? And he said, it is the easiest to understand book ever written. And I carry it around with me in case there's anybody I think could use it. It's fun to read. It's got pictures in it. I mean, there is no way not to understand this book. And if somebody's like bored, sitting alone at lunch, wants something to read, I'll just give them this book. How old? 15. It's very thoughtful of a 15-year-old. Yes. This is a thoughtful person. Anyway, so I was just, I thought, what better testimonial than that? This kid who, I mean, you know, I'm sure it was one of my copies of the book lying around that ended up in his backpack. But it's it's true. It's a great, great great little book. Really, really great. I love it. And then there the uh, the, that's called What Anarchy Isn't. 
And I don't I know mean, which that's one. That's exactly, I think, what, what the author's going for. Absolutely. That- no, it's fantastic. Th- these books, all the books on government-scam.com are great like this. I mean, they're just great. They're, I mean, there's no, you can't resist but to look at them. That's the thing. It's really amazing. But here's the other one, the most dangerous superstition. Now, they sell them on government dash scam.com cheaper i think even than amazon i don't know if there's some rare hardcovers on there i don't know but they you can get them there along with the other stuff you can get them in packages if you want to hand them around they're really for it's they're less for people like us than people like us to give to people who we think might be ready to get like yeah. woke in the old sense but this book i have to just say the most dangerous superstition as i read it i realized that this book step by step like item by item explains the problem with the state and it it is based on a premise that i had i i feel there's two things i've said that i've heard other people say but i like absolutely have to take credit for having come up with it independently anyway one is people will say like your anarcho-capitalism is that uh, is a utopian fantasy, like a libertarian society is a utopian fantasy. So I kind of like twist that around and say the concept of a self-limiting state government is the utopian fantasy. So that's I just think that's funny. But the other thing I thought of, and this is the book that brings that out, because you just don't realize that I thought there was a time when the question of the existence of God was unthinkable. The question whether or not God, it was just not even a question that you could think of. You couldn't tell people like, what are you talking? You say like, does God exist? People are just like, what are you talking about? Like, it doesn't even make sense that the unaskable, unthinkable question now today for most people is the necessity of government. You just assume it. It's just like the, the prime mover unmoved is government now. And that's and he that's what where the title comes from, the most dangerous superstition, this book. So it's pretty it it's really brings out all all the myths, all the assumptions that 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 backdrop of today's society's society and all of its problems are based on. So those are a couple of books you might also want to check out at government dash scam.com highly recommend and uh if you do slash monica you can get to where you get a 10 percent discount so that's great and then of course please support our show by supporting our sponsors like government-scam.com but also support our show by supporting us we have great patreon.com slash propaganda report offerings we have the truth sponge level at seven dollars and every level above that adds another layer of more and more exclusive for lack of a better term live stream interactive events so if you want to go to the big dpp just ratchet up one notch if you want to go to every dpp disappearing patron party there's one on friday for vips only so you have to be a friend of the show or patron saint or if you want to go to these really intimate Zoom parties where we're all on screen, we're all talking about our honest experiences. It's really fun. That's a very community oriented. That's the patron saint level. If you are also a subscriber to Rockfin, I can open up a special, highly exclusive backdoor into a um, discount to the patron saint tier. So just if you are a patron or you want to just email me, 
the propaganda report podcast at gmail.com or if you're already a patron just message me on patreon and i'll tell you how to make the most of being a rockfin subscriber so that stuff's all great but especially if you want to be in the vip dpp friday join as a friend of the show or a patron saint and with that we thank all the patrons who are not listening to this right now, because if you are a patron, you do not get any of the sponsorship stuff. You get 45 minutes straight of the drive time news blast every day instead of 30 minutes with this big commercial, which I'm sure you like the big commercial. But anyway, without further ado, now on to the last story of the free 30. All right. SNL played a deep fake this weekend, and I, I don't think I, I don't know if anybody really noticed it. I'm sure some people did, but I had to stop it and go back and say, wait a minute, was that just a deep fake they played? And it was very much a deep fake. Anybody who does not know who Michael Jordan, the greatest basketball player of all time, sorry, people who argue that LeBron James is, not even close. Anybody who knows who Michael Jordan is or does not know who Michael Jordan is would never know that what they witnessed on SNL was a deep fake. Now, most people know who Jordan is, but Michael Keegan Peel the guy of Key and Peel, he's a comedian, yep. improviser, funny guy. They did a sketch about the documentary that came out about a year ago called The Last Dance, which is about Michael Jordan's final season. This is really, I haven't seen it, but from what I understand, it's a really good documentary. And they deep faked Michael Keegan Peel onto Michael Jordan's face. And it's what? flawless. It's absolutely flawless. You, there's a. I, maybe if you zoomed in and you slowed down and you were, you were a programmer or something who was trying to find something wrong with it, you might find something wrong with it. But just watching as a casual viewer, you don't realize that's another person unless you know. And most people know who Michael Jordan is, so you can figure it out. But if there, this is the first time I have seen a deep fake used without it being presented first as, hey, check out how good this deep fake we're about to show you is. Now That's they're just amazing. filtering it into stuff. And if they're doing it on SNL and it looks that good, there's no telling in what other avenues well, they're using it. That's what they say is that they're so good now, you really wouldn't know. And that anything that you have seen so far isn't really where they're at. And the same thing with androids and stuff. Like, we don't know. Absolutely. I wonder if we've ever made one. An android? I if, yeah, I'm like, I wonder if Zuckerberg really is an android. I wonder he has sometimes offspring. if I'm an android, just really you're not like an a android. biological android. I'm certain that you're not an android. Zuckerberg, Elon you, Musk, You have a such candidate. variability in your appearance. Nobody knows this, but like, we'll basically roll out of bed and FaceTime each other and do a show. <laughs> I mean, the variability in both of our appearance, I think, is not... No one would ever waste their time making an Android that could have this range of like fading in and out of. <laughs> now you're going to give them ideas, though. Spectrum now they're going to have to roll out of bed, Android. <laughs> it'll be a setting. Okay, okay. <laughs> so, and uh, so this was not the SNL that Elon Musk was on. No, right? this was the following week, and the ratings were not good, from what I understand. They, they kind of tanked. And what about Elon Musk? Is he still messing around with the crypto? What's the, what's the latest? on the crypto stuff. Well, Elon Musk came out a couple days ago and said that, well, he didn't deny that they were going that Tesla was going to drop all their Bitcoin and get rid of it. And then he came out later, like a day later, saying that, that no, they're not selling it. But he's taken a position of 
Bitcoin is bad for the environment, climate change because of the right. carbon footprint. And he is appearing to work with Dogecoin as mm-hmm. a as a better alternative with some improvements he wants to add to it. But that caused Bitcoin to take a major hit. It's it hasn't sank like some people imagined it would mm-hmm. and I didn't think it would either but it did it did drop to like its biggest low in like three months and of course a bunch of articles came out about how he has single-handedly manipulated yeah. the market we need regulation because he people did that like before and I've said the, what has been my number one thing against Elon Musk the entire time from the beginning nobody can go who runs a public company and make public statements that changes the stock price where people lose money you're not allowed to do it it is probably rises to the level of financial crime and you don't get to keep your seat at the table when you do that stuff. But he yeah. got to do it. I mean, that was foreshadowing. And that is just like Kanye West stepping up on uh, what's her face, the skinny one, Taylor Swift. Taylor Swift and then yeah. and then when Beck, who, who absolutely is probably the most talented, like to the point of weirdness guy to win a Grammy and who knows how long Kanye tried to step on him too. It's like, that's what I said. Like, he should be banned forever. Sammy Sosa banned forever. Like you cannot have these people coming back. They're going to do it again. I don't know if Sammy Sosa ever did it again, but I'm just saying once they break the rules to that point, you just can't have them keeping coming back. Anyway. Well, I still, I think my prediction of Elon Musk going to Capitol Hill for a congressional hearing about crypto, I think that's going to yeah. happen. Oh, yeah. I mean, obviously, this is all coming down to mess around with crypto. And, and the idea behind it using a lot of energy, I think, goes to the fact of how limited it is. And, of course, that's how you, you it, that's the benefit. One of the benefits, obviously, they say about Bitcoin is that you can't get get any more of it so you can't inflate it if it were the actual currency the government wouldn't be able to inflate it kind of like gold but if their objection is that mining is difficult anything that has a declining um marginal yield kind of thing like that like or gold like the reason there is still gold in the earth why would there still be gold in the earth we've been using it for money since the beginning of civilization almost or since they found the touchstone why would they why is there still gold in the ground? Well, because the marginal reserves are much harder, harder to mine. And Bitcoin was clearly designed like that, too. So if he's hitting the fact that Bitcoin gets harder and harder to mine, what he's opening the door to is having an inflatable crypto. And of course, that undermines the whole store value feature of crypto, although it might improve the medium of exchange weakness. But I yeah. have a couple of shout outs. Let's okay. hear them. Remember how I was looking and looking to watch that Ricochet movie uh, that was put out by Jeff Adachi after the Kate Steinle thing? They were trying to... Well, I did so much work on that. I can't find it all. I, I thought there was a, like, knock them dead WSB show I did, but I simply cannot find it. But that Kate Steinle psyop that launched Trump's presidential campaign was... It was June in 2015, I think... That convinced me that Trump was a fraud. And I knew from the beginning, whether he knew it or not, that he was never going to do the things that people expected him to do. He was not Batman. And it was based entirely on the Kate Steinle story. And I thought they were going to railroad that guy and send him to prison, which is where he wanted to be. He was mentally ill and he kept crossing the border just to go to jail. It's a long story I won't get into. But Jeff Adachi, this hard nose, fought the power in San Francisco for years. Total liberal, but I don't care. Like, he was such a good guy. He 
died under suspicious circumstances right after he made this movie Ricochet about that trial of the alleged Kate Steinle killer who he got off. And when he died, that Ricochet disappeared. Well, it's being screened for one afternoon live Saturday afternoon, 3 p.m. I think it's 3 p.m. Pacific, but you got to double check. So you got to double check. It's at CamFest, C-A-A-M-A-Z-A-N-M-A-R-Y-F-E-S-T dot com. Ricochet, R-O-C-O-C-H-E-T. Uh, I'm going to watch it. Unless somebody so stands in way. It's going to be online, I guess. I mean, it, you go to camfest.com and you can buy it, quote, buy a ticket. It's free to buy the ticket. They say it's a virtual live stream, something or other. Hopefully that works. I don't know. We'll see. I'll believe it when I see it. And then I have a hardcore or I should say just your classic straight up shout out from Eric. And I love these kind. I would love to shout out Cindy, my wife and life partner for the last 28 plus years. I shout out her and the wonderful winter garden salads I enjoyed this year, fresh out of the hoop house. So these are our kind of people. I, or I should say people I aspire to be more like. And, uh, so Cindy, I'm sure she is an absolute doll and Eric. I don't blame you for loving her. I can tell you right in advance. So there you go. Great shout out. Thank you very much. And now on to the patron 15. All right. You guys can find your drive time news blast every weekday afternoon at thepropreport.com or your favorite podcasting platform with the propaganda report podcast feed. If you want access to that extra content Monica was telling you about, go to patreon.com slash propaganda report and become a patron. We will talk to y'all tomorrow or in the patron 15. Have a fantastic rest of your day.